Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I'm Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Distinguished Adventurers. Last time on Distinguished Adventurers, the ancient bard Folletir created seven legendary instruments, each a magic item of exquisite craftsmanship. He also wrote a symphony of seven movements, each movement featuring a different instrument. All of these wonders were scattered and lost until Bolana Zadok, a member of the Watchful Order of Madness of Protectors, devoted her life to finding them all. After many years of work, and with the help of our heroes, all seven instruments and the symphony were brought together in a grand performance by some of the best bards on the Sword Coast. The concert was a magnificent event. Until the final chords of the final movement finished, and a magic ritual that had caused the performers to freeze in place began as inky black smoke poured from their mouths. The darkness coalesced into a sphere 20 feet above the performers, growing larger, causing panic among the audience and confusion amongst our heroes. As they sprang into action, they were suddenly confronted by Balana Zadok herself, announcing... You are not the master of time and space. My lord is. And it's with rolling initiative that we begin tonight. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Distinguished Adventures. I would I'm like to issue Lauren. a correction. Hold on, because I do uh, believe we actually ended with Bernice Q. Burns smacking Bolana Zedek upside the head with Kevin the Mace and yelling, I knew it, you grody bitch. So... Uh, I mean, that is the second to last thing that happened. It it, it did happen. There is audio proof that that also did happen. But yes, welcome, distinguished adventurers. I am Lauren. I'm your humble DM. And tonight, for this epic event, I have in Jack's glass, I have some bourbon in the Woodford Reserve. This is the double-barreled. I have a little bit of it because it's the middle of the day for me. And, you know, I don't want to be too saucy when the fighting starts. Mm-hmm. So, actually, let's start. Bernie, what are you drinking since you, you've you been doing the the Kevin smacking? Today, I actually I haven't had, like, alcohol in a while with you guys. And ironically, it is still the afternoon here. It's about 3.30 right now. But I have something that Stephen got for me that I have been saving because it seemed so good and so perfect. It is a chocolate raspberry cookie stout from Sawdust Ooh. Brewing Company. And they... Do, 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 do something there in Canada, but it doesn't say. Here we go. Where? Bruden Package. Gravenhurst, Ontario. This is the thing that is hard about being in a province instead of being in a state that is small. Is Gravenhurst, Ontario could be an hour drive for me. It could be 10 hours drive for me. I have no... I mean, it's probably outside of Toronto, let's be real, but that's still like four hours away. All that is to say is that you can probably get it in your local LCBO, who, I don't know, should be sponsoring us at this point for all the, like, free free publicity, but it really is one of the only places to buy beer other than the beer store, so it's not like, it's not like I'm really sending anybody their way that isn't going there already. Um, there you go. But hold on, let me give you, I've got it in my wonderful groomsperson mug, but I, it, there's enough of it that it's like, it's very tall, but look, it's so cute. Look at that cute mm. also, also, cookie stout just sounds mm. really good. That is really good. That is really good. And what I like is it's not like, 
You know how you get some beers and it's clearly a gimmick and it's either a gimmick in the sense that you're like, why did you say this was flavored this way? I taste nothing. Or, okay, so that was a lot of artificial flavor and I'm never drinking this again. This is clearly a stout. It's clearly just a really good stout. And then it has like like a dark chocolate like cookie or something and the raspberry is in it, but it's not the only thing about it. Um, yeah. So I'm going to enjoy kind of slowly, slowly sipping on this. It's definitely a thing that you would have as a dessert. Like it stouts are thick, right? Like you have stout with like one, you've like one stout over the course of a very big hearty dinner or you have a stout for dessert and that's really all you need. And I'm, I'm quite happy with this. Good. You enjoy that while we move on to Carlton. What are you drinking? Thank you. This is John. I am playing Carlton today. And I have some lovely tea from uh, Western Dragon Tea into Saints, which I picked mm. up when I went to North Carolina for uh, a certain wedding ceremony of a certain gnomish cleric. Aww. So it's made in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is the Dragon Sleeps Tonight. It is cinnamon apples and Egyptian chamomile. That sounds really good. We'll find out. I remember out. you buying that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Give that, give that a try. I remember you buying it, and it, it looked really good. It's nice. It's 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 very light because it's a chamomile, but it's also got really nice uh, like cinnamon, appley flavor notes. It well, it works well in this uh, chilly Pacific Northwest weather that we're having. I I'm gonna cry because I'm gonna get jealous. But how chilly is chilly? It, it's probably like Fahrenheit 45 and overcast, and uh, at least 42. here in the 42 today. Ah, hey, hey, look at me. <laughs> Now, now, Julia, remember, I am coming from Texas I for the know, last but... eight years. Oh, I love it. I, I can wear layers again. Layers <laughs> are good. If you ever met me in person, it was probably in t-shirt and shorts, and now I can wear jeans and flannel and a hoodie, and I can layer. Flannel. Flannel. Flannel, so good. You know who's also good? Travancore. What are you drinking? Good, people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is a cocktail crafted from my own creation. So I don't know if you can see this or not. There we go. What this is Ooh. is a combination of Indian filter coffee from the Ministry of Copy in Brooklyn, New York, where it's Indian filter coffee combined with uh, organic whole milk, or not whole milk, organic 2% milk, and a little bit of Baileys thrown in there for good measure. And I threw my frother in there, so I got a little bit of foam on top. So that's purely artificial. Although Indian standard filter coffee, just having it by itself, should have foam from the, uh, the pouring back and forth. Live tasting, because I have no idea what this tastes like. Before I have it, I want to name it. I'm going to call this a County Colum because it has both Irish and Kerala elements. Down the hatch. I, I like this. that. That's good. Ooh. That's good. Cheers unto that. Did you say Ministry of Coffee? Copy. K-A-A-P-I. Copy being the Malayalam word for, uh, for coffee. Okay. Hmm. I thought you said Ministry of Coffee because there is in Canada, Ottawa, a Ministry of Coffee. And I was like, did they branch out? You had me very confused for a second. <laughs> and how is it? So I probably should have used less milk because the coffee flavor is dying and the Baileys is kind of strong. So I'm going to tinker with this a little bit. Just do a little less Baileys this time. Maybe use a little bit less milk so that coffee flavor can come through strongly. That said, it's still filter coffee. It's still the stuff you have to wait 15 minutes for as opposed to instant gratification percolator stuff. And don't get me wrong, percolator coffee can be very nice. But when you put the work in, you reap the rewards. Absolutely. Time equals effort equals uh, usually a better product. Usually. Not always. You know who's also awesome? Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight, I have Prosecco, because uh, we're presumably fighting a final boss, so this team seems a good time to pop the cork. And oh. let me just do that before... Come on. Oh, I haven't done this in a while. Here we go. You got this, bud. I the believe anticipation. in you. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me. Oh, God, it's stuck. Hang on. Gotta work it out. 
You're Jonathan the Magic Muscular. You got this, buddy. I'm leaving all this in. <laughs> okay. Every single I every believe. Single it's, it's cool. I believe in you. There we hey! go. Hey! Oh, yeah! Oh. Oh. That's okay. Listen, it happens to everybody. <laughs> and tonight's shot of fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball is dedicated to Alex VHJ. Thank you so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. This fireball shot is for you. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Can I just say that is the most JMM way to open a bottle? Like, that's so yeah. on brand for your character. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right. All of you are awesome. I love you all. You should roll initiative. We should roll initiative. I did as well. Oh, I did not. I'm sorry. That's okay. I was... That's all right. I just asked for it now. I was like, so. we, well, we should roll asked for it Way when we were just oh, chit-chatting. No. I, well, I, I warned you it was going to happen. I said we would start with rolling initiative, but I did just ask for it now. And since we have a digital log, I figured I would just keep it. Yeah. Okay. So, Jonathan, since since you were on top of your game well ahead of before I even asked for it, what did you roll? Jonathan the Muscular rolled a natural 20. Everybody drink. Everybody Cheers. drink. Starting off strong. Nice. Cheers to, Cheers to, to what, what is your actual initiative? Because I'm sure you have some dexterity. Well, some. A little bit. You know, Jonathan the Metromuscular strain trains strength, not dex. Uh, it is a 22. 22. All right. And Carlton? Being the very feral barbarian that I am, I have advantage on my initiative. And both of them rolled a 13, so that gives me a 16 for advantage. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad. Travancore? So I also have advantage on initiative rolls, but all that got me was a 9. Okay. Oh, buddy. Do you want Shadow to go directly after you and your eagles, or do we want to roll a separate initiative for Shadow? I'm willing to do either. Uh, I just figured I'd give you the option because you're going to suddenly have a lot to do. Well, Shadow got a pretty good roll, so I kind of want him to go separate. So, All right. Uh, he, got a seven, will... he got an 18. Okay. We're going to add that on in. And Bernie. Bernie doesn't have any bonuses to her initiative. But I guess she had the the blessings of you grody bitch, and she rolled a 16, which is really good for me. Yeah. All right. It is really good for, for a lot of people. Okay. So let me describe the scene to everyone as I get my encounter in order here. So for both our listeners at home, and all of I you. you were sorry. I thought you were making a horrible joke for both our listeners at home. One <laughs> <laughs> that we had two listeners, and I was like, I think more than two people probably listen. Uh, we have a couple, I, at least. We yeah. have a couple. We have a couple people. Mom, dad, for you. Also for everybody else. Let me describe the scene. You are all in the amphitheater that has been built in the City of the Dead. And for those that have forgotten, the City of the Dead is... Not as ominous as it sounds. It is a ward in Waterdeep. It is, yes, the place in where a lot of dead are buried, but it is kind of a, more of a public park. So it's a very idyllic setting. The amphitheater itself is the back of the stage is the back wall of the, the city of Waterdeep. On the stage are currently seven performers, including your Aarakocra bard friend Soria, who are all enraptured stunned, paralyzed, something's going on that is causing them to, because of the magical ritual musical that just happened, this sphere of something is being created about 20 feet above their heads. There are guards all around, but at the moment, the guards that are positioned on the wall and all around the amphitheater, including uh, your friend and mine, Rifon Press of the awesome Duster Coat, uh, they're currently 
starting the process of evacuating the throngs of people who have come to listen to this live performance. Amongst those people, Travancore and his faithful bear companion, Shadow, and their friend, girlfriend, Olivia Passerak, are um, we not... We haven't had the discussion yet. <laughs> it's complicated. True. There, They're there talking. Was, There's no labels there was yet. consensual pecks on cheeks, though. So the omniscient presence in, in the world is calling you a, a boyfriend-girlfriend. But, okay. uh, you know, whatever, whatever terms you want to use, it's totally fine. Anyway, Olivia Passerak, uh, the three of you are slightly to, if you're standing on the stage, slightly to the right of center, a, a little further back. Travancore has summoned two giant eagles above their head while Olivia has pulled out some of the weapons that she uh, had hiding on her person. But she has already said that she is going to be committed to helping evacuate the people around you towards middle center in the VIP seats. We have Bernie, Jonathan, and Carlton. We also have both Balana Zadok and Arasic. Aras, who is looking flustered, confused, who seems to at the moment be focused on what's going on with the giant orb that is starting to materialize above the stage. Balana Zadok, who has gone through a slight bit of a transformation as she has emitted some horrific noise to prevent Jonathan from casting a spell at an opportune moment, elongating her jaw in a very disturbing way. Her eyes have gone black with little white dots, almost like stars in them, and she has made the announcement that her lord is about to arrive. There is one other thing that starts to happen, Jonathan, just as you are going to get to go first. All of you do notice small creatures are starting to come out of the sphere. They haven't actually broken through. This is basically happening about the same time as you are acting, Jonathan. But something's starting to come through. Jonathan, it's your turn. What would you like to do? All right. Well, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to, like get the wide eyes at uh, at Bellana and he's going to repeat the same draconic phrase but more emphatically as he says no time stop and he's going to try and cast time stop again so the first time you did that she did a a thing that she can do but did it require a reaction that's what i'm trying to look for cuz this time she's going to actually counterspell if she has a reaction she... then yeah, but we weren't really an initiative. That's, I'm looking to see, did the thing that she did before, was that a reaction or not? That was a reaction. All right. So it goes off. So All right. you, you cast time stop. So this is the first time you've cast this. So you described this a little bit last time, but tell us what happens. All right. Time stop is uh, the ninth level spell of the day. And you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take 1d4 plus one turns in a row during which you can use actions and move normally. The spell ends if one of the actions you use during this period or any effects that you create during this period affects a creature other than you or an object being worn or carried by someone other than you. In addition, the spell ends if you move to a place more than 1,000 feet from the location you cast it. So first, let's roll that d4 plus let's one roll that d4. Okay, so four turns are happening for Jonathan the Magimuscular right now. Okay, so, so turn one. Turn one. I had most of these worked out. Uh, he already has major armor on himself. 
So he is going to he's going to start by casting Bigby's hand, or as it as it been known uh, in recently as Scanlan's hand. <laughs> uh, so he's going to cast that, and he's going to put it right next to Belana Zadok, but it's not going to do anything. Okay. Then he is going to cast Crown of Stars on himself. And Crown of Stars does not require concentration, but uh, Bigby's hand does. Mm -hmm. And then he is actually going to move. So so essentially, turn one is is Bigby's hand. hand. Yeah. And then are you doing anything for your movement? Oh, yeah. He's going to start moving. uh, Yeah, this way. Okay. So now this is still considered difficult terrain because of all those people. So right. basically so every he's time you move get a... to like there, I guess. Okay. Three squares so that's away. That's turn one. That's turn, turn two. One. For the audio listeners, where is there? Uh so Thank you. Sorry. So uh Jonathan the Magimuscular is moving away from Balana Zedok to muddy things up. He's actually moving towards Captain Rifron Press, which if you are looking at the battle map, uh the top of it being north and the bottom being south, he is moving east. Along the right. top of the amphitheater. That's turn one. Turn two was Crown of Stars. Crown of Stars. And then what's your, are you moving? Uh, yeah, he's going to just get right up to Captain Rifle Press and get back to back. Even though, like, he's moving imperceptibly slowly, like everyone is. It's really trippy. Okay. And I think. Turn three. Turn three. So we're actually out of a lot of stuff. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going all at once. Right. So I think. He's going to send a sending to Fontorvrak. I don't know how this is going to work, but... Okay, all right, okay, okay. And he's going to... Say, I'll say you know that you can cast the sending, but that because of the time stop, you don't expect a reply until time stop ends. Exactly, okay. And he's going to send to Fontorvrak, if you can cover that portal, keep anything that comes out from, from getting away. Oh, I'm gonna need a persuasion check with that. Okay, a future persuasion, a cute persuasion check, if you will. It, well, it's 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 just going along with this sending, right? Okay, uh, sixteen. I'll stand. Okay, on that. would you like to move anywhere? Uh, no, he's gonna stay by Captain Rifon. All right, and then last last time stop turn. Uh, I want to kind of do something to uh to her. Uh, he's going to scorching ray her. Okay, roll your attack. Let's do it at fourth level. That's going to be five rays, I think. So, okay, so here we go. Attacks. 28 to hit. That hits. As time starts moving normally, 25. Yep. 23. Yep. 20. I'm assuming not a dirty, or not a natural, a dirty 20. Okay. Okay. And then 13. That hits. Oh, all right. Jonathan, uh, you do notice, go ahead and roll your damage. You do notice... With that 13, you don't think she's got mage armor on. Nice. Okay, so 14 from the first one, 9 from the second, 12 from the third, 10 from the fourth, and 12 from the last. All right. As all these firebolts slam into Balana Zadok and the time stop ends, what the rest of you see is all of a sudden Jonathan is just somewhere else. Big V's hand is there. He's got this crown of stars. Captain Press actually kind of jumps a little bit mostly because of your sudden appearance, although it's it's less out of surprise for you. And then these firebolts slam into Balana Zadok and she reels at the hit, taking all of them, taking damage, still smiling. Oh, uh, and uh, Bigby's hand is going to punch her as my bonus action. That's a good bonus action. Uh, 16. That hits. 
All right, for 29 force damage. As it, as it like comes down on her, it's like a hammer single fist. Thwack. She is looking incredibly rough. Uh, as the hand comes down, as these firebolts hit her, started with the, the Kevin swipe and all the way through all this time stop, she is, you hear her breath is uh, haggard and she's definitely taken all these hits, but she is still standing and she is still smiling and her eyes are still black with stars. All right. Anything else? That was Jonathan the Magic Muscular's uh, magical opening for there this you encounter. Go. All right, next is the layer action. I'm calling it the layer action because it is essentially like five different things are all happening at once. First, all of the people who are in the, the amphitheater are going to keep moving. After a certain number of rounds, enough of them will be gone that the area won't be difficult terrain anymore. They're not interacting with you directly. They are just fleeing. Captain Press turns to you, Jonathan, and says, do you have any idea what's going on? Nope. Uh, she bad. That bad. Jonathan the Mad Muscular. <laughs> I'm going to help get everybody out of here. And he's going to start He's going to start making calls to all the other guards to help them assist people with evacuations. Aras Zik is going to roll an arcana check. Okay. And he's going to cast a spell. Jonathan, you very clearly see him try to cast Dispel Magic okay. on the orb, and it does not work. Do and I get you... the feeling that it doesn't work because Dispel Magic wouldn't work in this case? Or do I get the feeling like it just wasn't strong enough to work? You are unsure, but you can all clearly read, Aras tries to dispel this thing, it doesn't work. And then you watch his eyes follow the smoke down to the people on the stage. What you all think about that is up to you. Let's see, Olivia Passerak is going to look at you, Travancore, and say, do you need anything else from me before I start helping the citizens? I'm good. And she nods and she starts helping people get out faster. Um, the people on the stage. Okay, nothing changes with the people on the stage. Thundorvrak. Jonathan, do you still have true sight up or did you lose that? No, I think we, I think I lost it when, like, just as the opera was ending. Because true sight lasts, lasts for an hour and the, yes. the opera, or the, yeah, the concert was about an hour. Okay. Jonathan, you get ascending. I don't know what kind of trap this is, but I am leaving. And finally. Wait. Out. Is he really leaving? Oh, God damn it. Well, no one, all Jonathan knows is what he got in his sending. We'll know as soon as we start seeing him fly away. Yeah, well, no, you won't see him fly away. Oh, He's invisible he's at the invisible, moment. That's, yeah. that's why I was asking about the, the true sight. All, all you hear moment, is Jonathan the Magic Muscular go, fuck, for no apparent reason. <laughs> I mean, well, there are reasons, but like, it, that one seems to come out of nowhere. I mean, that, there's, there's a lot of reasons for people to, right. be, to be upset right now. Finally... The sphere uh, that has emanated from all of the people on the stage quivers and expands in a, in a weird jerky motion. Like instead of the, the slow expansion that it had had that was kind of a symmetrical, it jerks and suddenly is about 10 feet in diameter larger. And the creatures that you had just started to see poke through 
start to actually fly out. And you see a couple of things. A swarm of these horrific horrors emerge from the portal. Some of them fall to the ground and start skittering on the ground on long spindly legs and arms. Others are flying through the air, but they're on backwards insect wings. They all have pallid skin with bristles and spines and mismatched collections of arms. Some have four, some have eight, some have nine, some have arms and tentacles. They all have under their pallid skin these black and purple veins and flashes that are moving moving and writhing in very disturbing ways. Some are constantly chittering and shrieking in a discordant voice that kind of resembles a little bit of what Balana did to stop Jonathan from casting earlier. Most are emanating from fanged and lipless maws that just open and... <laughs> Others are also giving off a low bass hum that are shaking the ground. These creatures are small. They're maybe a little bit smaller than Bernie, but they're so filled with death implements and are moving incredibly quickly that people are screaming in horror as dozens of them come out from the sphere. Uh, and I need everyone to roll perception checks. Hmm. Okay. Bernie, what'd you get? 24. And Carlton? Carlton being the perceptive orc that he is, uh, rolled a 32. <laughs> Jesus. I see everything. No, Listen. it's not a natural 20. Yeah, I, I know that uh, feel. 35 is my natural 20. What yeah. is the bonus that gets you that high on perception? What is uh, it? It's a feat that I took. Uh, so I have expertise in uh, perception. So I have a plus 15. <laughs> Jesus. It's 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 so good. It's so good. Jonathan. Uh, well, Jonathan the Magimuscular is still disappointed that Daunt of Rack is not going to be his, his Thor to our Avengers and plug up the portal with his lightning. And uh, he got a four. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Jonathan, you're completely distracted by yeah. glaring in the general direction of Daunt of Rack. <laughs> the, the Big B's hand is doing this. Yeah. Bernie and oh, Carlton. Shaking a fist at him. Travancore. 20. Natural? No, dirty. Okay. Uh, Bernie and Carlton, you notice as these creatures, some of them dropping to the ground, some of them flying out, get close to anyone, anyone other than the nine musicians on stage. Many of the people start grabbing their head in confusion. Some of them are screaming in horror. Others are falling to their knees in what looks like hopeless despair. Some people seem fine and continue to run. Anyone who gets close to these creatures, when the creatures are swooping in, flying in, running in, whatever it is, almost anyone are having some sort of reaction even before these creatures are attacking. The creatures aren't necessarily attacking people as much as they are getting close and seeming to cause this effect and continuing to swarm out. And as they continue to pour out in an ever-growing mass of swarming, horrible, gnashing teeth, you see two other large creatures come out. They're org-like in stature. They're massive with glistening, translucent skin, 
revealing superior muscled forms. They've got pale, lidless eyes that are just blankly staring out and a face that has no nose and too many teeth. They have no expression on their face. And as they fly out of the sphere, they're almost still in their flight. It's almost like a hover, arms kind of lax at their sides, head cocked a little bit. And the two of them are making their way towards the group that includes Carlton and Bernie. And Carlton, with that amazingly high roll, something else is coming out of the portal. Something even larger. Hasn't broken through yet, but it's coming. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on March 14th at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. S-O-S-S-R-I-N-K-F-E-T-A. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Shadow, it's your turn. What would you like to do? <laughs> oh, boy. Save us, Shadow. I would like to take a nap. Actually, this is very stressful. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, Buck doesn't have an initiative. He just He's going to fly oh. straight up and just not... I don't think there's anything he could possibly do. So on whatever turn he goes, he's just flying straight up and... And giving... I forgot to ask for a buck, so let's have him go after you. Give me a quick perception check for bucks. Okay. Sorry, Jack. That's fine. I want to know what bucks knows going into my turn. <laughs> bravely, as the brave little owl, bravely run away. I mean... He was meant to get a 17. He had initiative or uh, advantage, and he got two 17s. All right, he notices everything that I described, except for that last little bit for Carlton. Okay, and he's just, right. like I said, straight up, uh, he's the hovering news helicopter... Uh, covering this fight. He's the drone okay. footage. Yes, exactly. Sounds good. Shadow. All right. So originally I was thinking of having Shadow like help Olivia evacuate people, but I feel like a bear is going to have limited utility there. So I think what Shadow is going to try and do, and I know it's rough terrain going down there, he's going to try and get as close to the group of instrumentalists as he can. And I think he's going to try and pull Soria away with the hopes that, you know, that'll break this chain somehow. Okay. I don't think he can get all the way down there. What's his well, if they're under some kind of magical thing and the evil little beasties are leaving them alone for now? The evil little beasties do not seem to be going after or affecting any of the musicians. I think Travancore seeing this is kind of hoping that pulling Soria away would at least slow down the building of this portal. Like he doesn't know whether you know, if he can enroll an insight on this or not or what he would know about whether that would be successful or not. 
But, uh, but I think that's the idea. The Shadow is the one who's free, and you know Travancore. He see. I think he's starting to see what's happening there. Like in terms of people who get the close. I think the gambit the Travancore is trying to do is that Shadow may not be affected by whatever is affecting like people because Shadow is a beast. Okay. Uh, what's Shadow's movement? Forty feet. So. Because it's difficult terrain, it takes him twice as much to get about there, which is a little less than halfway to Soria. Does he want to double move or does he want to get to there and do something else? I think maybe he'll double move. I guess I'm a little bit worried about the guard trying to stop him, but maybe just, the guards aren't that worried about a bear coming up there. The guards are definitely aware of who all of you are and who Shadow is, and you should not have to worry about any of the people or the guards unless for some reason you decide to attack them. So if he would like to keep on moving, he absolutely can. I think Shadow's going to use his uh, sort of a, the, the extra movement to use his, and like, you know, I heard the word for it. It's been so while since I've done it, but you know what I mean? Like, D- yeah, he's double moving. Basically. Double moving just so he can get yep. up to the stage. Dash. As close to Soria as he can. Dash, that's what it's called. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, just to get to Soria specifically, because I feel like anyone else, like Soria is least familiar with Shadow. I think if he tries with anyone else, it could be bad. I mean, kind of, they're all like occupied by spells, but this is sort of Travancore's gambit, so to speak. Okay. So once he gets down off of the stairs and off of the where everybody is seated and has been starting to run away, it clears and he is able to move a little bit faster. So basically, once he gets off of where everybody has been watching the performance, it's no longer difficult terrain. He has to use a little bit of extra movement to climb up instead of going all the way around to the ramp leading up to the stage. He's not able to get to Soria, but because he's there... Uh, have Shadow give me a perception check, and I'll let you give it an advantage because I'll include his sniffer. Oh, cool. Snoot, snoot advantage. Snoot, snoot, snoot. Oh, that's good. And that's going to be plus 13, so 31. <sighs> okay. Shadow is not just a bear. Shadow's a fire bear. Shadow is is the companion to an epic ranger. So Shadow knows more than the average bear. The same way Bucks is not your average owl, and the same way Coco Snoot is not your average dog. Smarter than the average internal medicine doctor. Jellystone. You know what? When, when you have companion animals, they, they become more than just animals. So Shadow notices a couple of things. Shadow can see, can confirm up close-er, at least, within five feet of him, ten feet. These are people who are still alive. They seem to be paralyzed in some way. He can also now tell something else completely gargantuan is starting to break through the portal above everybody. It's not broken through yet, but he can tell something's coming through. He notices one other thing. So there are seven people on stage. Three of those people from way back in the stands, you could all see that they were frozen, mouths open, smoke pouring out. Most of these musicians look horrified, especially Soria. Soria, the look on her face is confusion and horror, like she was caught in the middle, unawares of what's going on. Three people do not look surprised or horrified. Oh, no. Those fuckers. The woman playing the Anstruth harp, Alice Commonbrook, the uh, half-elf playing the Feluchin Bandolier, Nellowee Gelliman, and Kriya Cloudfang, the gnome playing the Olam Harp, who's in charge of the music, who is the leader of the orchestra. All three of those people, they have strained look on their faces, like whatever is happening is unpleasant. 
but the three of them do not look surprised at all. Cloudfang! Yeah, that stupid lead, and she's like, oh, we don't know anything, but she clearly knew something. You know, uh, there were things that happened. There were roles that happened. Uh, uh, does Shadow have a bonus action? I don't think he does. Let me double check his sheet real quick. You think playing this character for five years, I would know his bonuses, but that's okay. I, Ranger's companion, fire empowered strikes. None of these are bonuses, so no. All right, then that is the end of his turn. Balana Zadok cracks her neck and her shoulders. Her form doesn't change, but after you've watched her jaw distend, everything just now looks a little more out of place. Like, everything is just starting to adjust. And she... Oh. Sorry, she had a plan, and now she's doing something else. Now Kevin done fucked up her plan. (laughs) There was a bunch of things that happened. Like four turns worth in in six seconds? (laughs) I mean, the portal is still there. Okay, she is going to... Her eyes dart between Bernie and Jonathan and eventually settle on Jonathan. And you watch as her eyes go darker. And then those stars that were in her eyes, you know the expression, she shoots daggers out of her eyes? Is she shooting shit out of her eyes? She's shooting lances out of her eyes. Ooh. Is is this a spell or an ability? This is a spell. Okay. I... Yeah, I don't think that that should happen, so I'm going to do my best to have it not. Fifth level counterspell. All right, I need you to roll it. Okay. I am going to use luck. So first luck done for today. Ah, much better. 22. All right, that does counter her psychic lance. She seems annoyed, and she kind of sighs, and she closes her eyes, and she does something. But you don't know what. And that is the end of her turn. Bernie, it is your turn. All right. So as a bonus action, Bernie is going to cast Spiritual Weapon. Sure. She's going to cast it as a force level spell. Woo! It's going to take the form of Kevin the Mace. Okay. You're going to double Kevin? I'm going to double Kevin. You're going to double Kevin. Uh, Except this Kevin the Mace looks like he's made out of amethyst. Okay. Uh, Wait a sec. (laughs) It's just, it's a visual effect. And she is going to plop Kevin the Mace down right next to Balana Zedok. And she is going to attack. Sure. Does a 14 hit? 14 hits? All right, a 14 hits. Yeah, you, you had noticed earlier, she does, she's not wearing any armor. She does not have any kind of mage armor on. So that is going to be, actually, 14 spiritual weapon damage. Awesome. Bernie, as your spiritual weapon comes on down and slams into her, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Of fucking course I do. All right. Um, Saving throws. I don't have any dexterity. Uh, Well, that's a 12. Okay. Unfortunately, you fail as she's been staring at Jonathan and when the spiritual weapon lands... Her eyes go back to you, and instead of black, they turn red and light up with fire, and you suddenly feel like your insides have been lit on fire. And she's going to hellish rebuke you. Oof. 
Oof. at a really high level, you're going to take 52 points. Holy fuck. I believe it is, yeah, fire damage. Oh, dang. Oh, my God. Okay. How, can some, where's my, I need to do some math. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Immolation is not flattery here. She might have cast yeah, that count, at a very okay, high level. I'm glad you're back on your game. Thanks. Count 52, you said? 52. That's fine. We're fine. You know what? That's good, because that was my bonus action. That was your bonus action. You still hit. It still lands. You still do all that damage, but in response. Yeah. It didn't light a fire under her ass. It lit a fire in her ass. She, <laughs> she was rebuked in the most hellish of ways. All right. And I rolled really, really, really well. Well, I had ideas about what I was going to do next. And then you took a lot of damage. And then I took a lot of damage. That's fair. I don't know how Hellish Rebuke works. It's I don't, a reaction. It's a reaction. And I'm trying to decide if I'm going to be smart or I'm going to be angry. Uh, Carlton, just so you know, you're on deck. <laughs> angry, angry, angry. I think angry. we're going to go with angry. Yay! WWQD. <laughs> I think so. I right. think so. What would Let Carlton do? Have her make a constitution saving throw, please. Unfortunately, I rolled a natural 20. Oh. So I will have to drink. God. I'm sorry. But that's fine. That's fine. Is this something she's still taking half damage? Yeah, she's still taking half damage because okay. Bernie is within reaching range, right? Like she's right at oh, yeah. the stands. So she is going to reach out and she's going to cast harm. All right. As a, it's normal six level spell. Sure. So yeah, so um, go ahead and roll that. She'll, she'll still take half damage. Whatever is half of 43. 21. She is going to take 21 something damage. I believe that's necrotic. necrotic. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you reach out and what do you grab in order to cast harm? Well, Bernie's actually, I actually thought about this. So Bernie is one level above her, right? So Bernie's standing, like, because they're, we're in a, we're in an amphitheater. A little bit, yeah. And Bernie's standing up, probably standing up on her seat so she would be face height. So Bernie is going to do something which has been, <laughs> Bernie's going to give her a Shawinigan handshake. Okay. <laughs> which uh, if you, uh, this one, this is special dedication to uh, all my Canadians out there. Uh, if you do not know, if you are not Canadian and you're listening and you don't know what a Shawinigan handshake is, you might want to look up Shawinigan handshake kind of in the face, chin, neck area, and she, so if there's any visible damage, it would be, like, in her face and her neck. You're not able to really grab tightly, which is why it's only half damage, and she, she pulls away. You see she still takes that damage, and you, you watch as she shudders, and, <laughs> and she just laughs at you. But she does take the damage. This isn't oh, one yeah. of those fucked up things where necrotic damage heals her or something nope. like that. I you, was worried about that. <laughs> I, I will always describe if you see something odd. And in all of these cases, she's, she's resisted the damage because she natural 20 the, the, the spell. All right. Are you moving, Bernie, or are you staying right there? Well, I guess in the very, very, very small amount of time that this has all taken place and there's not... Bernie would like to eventually make her way down to, like, bring back the musicians because she probably is the only one with the, like, spells prepared that could do stuff like that. 
but I have a feeling that right now there's still too many people in the amphitheater to make that viable. Uh, you can start moving. It's just uh, you're at half speed because at the moment it is still di- difficult terrain. So what is what is your movement on Coco Smoot? Coco what Smoot. is my movement on Coco Smoot? I haven't had to think about that in a while, and I don't know where that lives. So because you ride Coco Snoot, Coco Snoot should be a creature under extras. Yep, Baron von Coco Snoot, speed of 40. Speed of 40. So we'll move 20. We'll, we'll try to move in a way that she doesn't get an attack of opportunity if possible. Well, the good news is because she hellish rebuked you, she already used her reaction. She cannot attack of opportunity you. Well, then she's going to flip the bird and she's going to start making her way on Coco Snoot down to the... Because <laughs> right. most of her good stuff is also range. Bernie's like, I can still attack you. Don't, sure. don't believe, do not even uh, think that you are beyond my reach, you bitch. So you are able to move a bit closer to the stage, like directly towards it. And Carlton, it is your turn. Uh, so Carlton, he, I'm sure with his perceptiveness, he realizes that he's the only one that sees the bigger thing coming. That everybody else seems to be kind of focused on the small guys coming out of things and not on the portal itself. Would I be correct in saying that? I With a passive think... perception of 25. Bernie saw the two big things and so did Travancore, right? Everyone saw the two big things and everyone saw yeah, the, the big swarm. ogres, but not the big guy coming the, through. No, the I... gargantuan creature because it has not broken through yet. Carlton, I think with your passive, because the only other creature at the moment who's noticed it is Shadow, who is so far away and is Shadow, I'm going to say, yes, you think at this moment of your friends, you might be the only person who's noticed. The gargantuan thing trying to break through. Correct. I will give that to you. With that, he shouts, I love you 3,000. And we'll throw the halfling's exit at the gargantuan creature in the portal. Okay. Um, well, what's the range on halfling's exit? It's, it'll be at disadvantage because uh, it's the far range is one twenty. Okay. Go ahead and uh, disadvantage roll your attack. Uh, sixteen. Sixteen does not hit the gargantuan thing. Yeah. Does it hit the portal? Roll a d100, and before you roll it, high or low? High. Go ahead and roll a d100. If it's high, if it's above a 50 or above, you hit the portal. I missed the portal out of 28. Okay. There's a weird thing that happens. This portal is, is growing and growing and growing, and it's gotten to the point where when it grows, it's not a smooth kind of thing. It shimmers and expands and shimmers and expands, and it just so happens that as you're throwing the halfling's exit, it's through one of the shimmers and you miss the creature and you it goes through the shimmering but doesn't hit the portal. Uh, where does the javelin land then? Does it land near the performers in the perform on the stage or is it like way out of left field? Oh, no, no, no. You, you rolled close enough. Okay, well, actually, then let me add. I'm going to say it rolled close enough. Because you you came really close. Came uh, in for, that case, so it's here's tra- what I'm gonna say: it falls and it basically lands in and amongst the performers. Can before that happens, if it is gonna land there, if I see that it, I'm kind of overshooting it. Am I able to initiate? Because the way it says, I love all this. By the way, I I wish I wish you'd been able to hit something. 
immediately after throwing the javelin, I can use my bonus action to teleport directly to its location. Can I do it while it is, like, right next to the portal, but not hit it so that I can try to jump in? High or low? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust high. Give me another D100. The dice gods do not want this no! to happen. All right. <laughs> I will All right. land take, next take to the performers. The, take the hint. I was gonna say, all right, I'll be kind about this then, and I will say what you actually do is you appear before it lands amongst the performers so that you are able to not actually like land on top of them and hurt anybody. I'll even say you can land next to anyone on here. Where would you like to land? Probably uh, between Shadow and what looks like the gnome. The fiery-haired one above Soria? Sure. Yeah. All right. Dang. I was trying to Iron Man the shit out of this. That would have <laughs> been so weird. That would have been so weird. I would have enjoyed it. It would have been really cool. Uh, Very maybe, cinematic. Maybe. Things could have... It would have been super cinematic. It might have been really horrible for you, but, but it also would have been amazing. Saved my friend. Maybe you have, though. <laughs> would have attempted to. It would have been... No matter what happened, I would have made it fucking epic. I don't mm. know if it would have been good for you, but it would have been epic. Okay. Great. So you've attacked with the javelin now. But that was my first attack. That was your first attack. Yes. Uh, and then do I notice, Was did you say that it was the, that's the gnome in front of me, that the one that doesn't look surprised, or is it the one that's front and center? I will say with your passive, you notice the same thing. The three people are Elise, Nellaway, and Kriya. Can we put like a little color indicator on those? Yeah, right. yeah that's so, a good idea. Yep. Kriya is the one in the in the front, and we're gonna we're gonna make these people. Uh, we're gonna put a red dot on them. That's Kriya. That is Nellaway. That is Elise. I will even be nice enough to say if knowing where they are changes where you would like to have landed, I will adjust that. I mean, I would still have movement left, so I can literally just walk the five feet. <laughs> okay, where would you like to go? I'm gonna put myself next to the two that are uh, in the center, the gnome and the half elf. Uh, so that one's on the diagonal, one's on the face. And then they need to answer for their reactions of not being surprised. And I'm going to pull out my sword of answering. Okay. And uh, we're going to go ahead and attack. Okay. Who are you attacking first? Actually, I did say rage before I threw the thing, right? I don't think you did, but you know what? Oh. I'll let you rage. Gotcha. I'll let you, I'll let you do it. You tried I, I to do so something epic. I got so caught up epic. in my cinema. You got so caught up in doing something epic, and the dice failed you. I'm not going to quibble about raging when you need to. You have raged. All right, All right cool. Yes. Uh, I'm very angry about... I got really angry about missing is what happened. <laughs> That's fair. That's super fair. So then I'm going to uh, attack... Ooh, that'll be a crit, because I crit on 19s. Ooh. Nice. Okay. Well, you uh, so definitely 33 hit. to hit. Kriya, absolutely. So let's see. That'll be... I, I do a lot of damage. There's going to be a lot of rolls here in a second. I know. I know. I know. I know. There's unfortunately yeah. other things that are about to happen. Travancore, you're you're eventually up. I'm sorry. You ended okay. up at the end of this initiative. But no, there, it's fine. There will be some other things that go before you. 33 points. Okay. You do not kill her, but you grievously wound her. She does not react, but you get the sense that this isn't... This isn't like her being stoic or her being epic or her being obstinate. You think she is literally unable to move or react at this moment. Got it. And you said the portal is 20 feet in the air above these guys? 20 feet in the air. That is correct. I need the math, but that is my turn. Okay. The two ogre-like creatures that had emerged 
from the portal. Oh, These boy. brown spheres will be them because I was unable to get the specific creature. And instead of trying to get the specific something that wasn't the same, I'm just going to go brown spheres. Brown spheres. They're going to get to there. They're hovering at this point. It started 20 feet up in the air, and then they're kind of making a a lazy diagonal down towards the ground. That's what they're going to do. They're going to continue to move towards Balana Zadok. And yeah, it's just going to hang out in your Bigby's hand, Jonathan. It doesn't seem to matter. Bernie, uh, the they, one... Because I think the Bigby's hand actually takes up that space. Yeah, they don't care about that. You notice as they move, every time... They seem to move more than a couple inches. It's as if their entire body shimmers a little bit. Bernie, as it approaches you, you expect it to stop or go around or attack you or something. And almost like a ghost, it just passes through you. Does it feel cold? What does it feel like? It feels like three psychic damage. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's mean. That's just mean, man. It's not a lot of psychic damage, but it just passes straight through you. That's as far as that one can move. Okay, that is all they are going to do. They move. But yeah, Bernie, as this thing passes through you, and you you are unable to get out of its way, and it just doesn't seem to be bothered by you, and it shimmers through your your body, and it's as if the atoms in your body revolt at having this thing nearby. It is a physical negative space that is forced into your material body for a moment before it passes through. But that is all they can do at this moment. Travancore, we have made it to your turn. We've, we're wow. almost done with round one, everybody. <laughs> okay. All right. Epic level encounters. Right. Does right. Travancore have a clear line of sight to, uh, to Blanazadok? Yes. All right, here's what's going to happen. He's going to shoot an arrow at her. <laughs> sure. All right, here we go. Um, actions. And I get two attacks, thank goodness. Uh, here we go. 29 to hit. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do 13 piercing damage. All right. This arrow sinks into her side. She's still laughing, um, but she does clutch the wound as, it, as she is looking close to dead. All right, well, I know where the next arrow is going then. Here okay. We go. One more. <laughs> Come on, come on, come on. All right, 29 to hit. 29 hits. Okay. And one more. 12 more damage. It sinks in again. She, you don't know how she's still standing, but she barely is. She's super hurt. All right. You do have two eagles, and you do have a bonus action, and you do have movement. All right. So we're going to send the eagles in first. Can I do my movement to the end or no? Oh, yeah. You can do this in any order you want. All right, yeah, so one of the eagles is going to fly towards her. And what are the eagles attacks again? I should probably have that. All right, so it's going to fly up to her and find an open spot, and it's going to multi-attack. Sure. Here we go. And actually, would you consider her flanked at this point? Oh, uh, yeah. All right, so avec advantage. All right, so here we go. All right, high roll is 18. 18 hits. All right, four, four plus three, so seven for the... Uh, what was that again? I don't even remember. It was a, the beak attack. Travancore. Yeah. How does this eagle claw Balanazadak to death? You know, it's funny. Years and years ago, when we first got introduced to Balanazadak, I, 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 I recognized the last name, Zadok. Zadok the priest. Priest of who? Guess we know now. That's a reference to the uh, British coronation ceremony and all that. I don't know if that's... There are no accidents in D&D. 
But all right, so I think that um, she's been laughing this whole time, right? Smiling. She, smiling you know, she's been smiling. smiling and laughing. She's been doing both. Oh, well, then I think that attack, that beak attack, like, probably just goes right for her throat and tries to rip the, her voice box out. It does. And as the eagle comes away with the throat of Balana, there's a moment as she is caught in that liminal space between life and death. As her laughter obviously stops, the smile is still on her face. And then the spot on her neck that has been torn asunder by your eagle's beak, her entire head falls backwards as her neck snaps and her body writhes and shakes and tears and her limbs elongate and it's as if a creature is pulling its way out of her skin as the mortal creature falls away what now stands there is this bluish black entity tall thin no face just a head and arms and legs holding onto a staff that has been ripped seemingly from her own spine that has these little swirling dots in them like stars. The laughter has stopped, everything has stopped, and this creature stands there silent and ready in and amongst the viscera of what is left of Balana Zadok. Well, that's just prime. Haven't said that in a couple of years. <laughs> All right, so I have one more eagle. You do so have one I more eagle. What that second eagle is going to do is uh, pick up on Carlton and Chatter are doing and try and pull one of the uh, like um, bad actor musicians. Actually, oh, they were trying to kill one of the bad yeah. actor musicians. Are the musicians still holding their instruments? Yes. Okay. They were caught mid final as their final chord was strum. This so, happened, so they are all still holding onto their instruments. So fun fact, I didn't name these eagles. The first one who killed Blana Zadok, or at least the original Blana Zadok, we're going to name her Kelsey. And then the other one's name is going to be Jalen. So uh, Jalen, the other one who hasn't acted yet, is going to fly. Oh, really? Sooner, right? <laughs> yeah, really, because they're eagles. You understand okay. it's a football reference. I do, sure. I do. <laughs> All right, so the second one should have enough flight speed. Didn't, I'm going to assume it didn't move to where um, it did. It was, it was where, with that motion coming from where I am. Should have enough to grab, what would you say, of the three that are playing? Like, there's a harp. What are the other two instruments that the other two bad actors are holding? And yeah, I'll say that uh, one went after Balana, the other went down there. It's the, Carlton is currently attacking Kriya Cloudfang, who has the Olam harp. Um, there's also Nellaway, who has the Feluchin Bandalore, and Elise, who has a different harp, the Anstruth harp. Okay, harps are going to be heavy. Oh, Giant Eagle can probably carry any of those three, actually. Yeah, it's not, none of these are like full-size orchestral harps. These are They're all hand harps. lap instruments. Well, since exactly. I have the most emotional attachment to the Olam harp, I'm going to have Jalen grab the, uh, try and grab the Olam harp with his talons and pull it away from the musician. Okay, so I'll go ahead and give me an athletics check. Okay, athletics for any, do Iron's Eagles have any athletics bonus? Athletics is strength, right? So it'd be plus three. Yeah. All right, cool. Here we go. Okay, 18. Uh, with an 18, the eagle wraps its talons around this instrument. It is successful in pulling the instrument away. And you watch. This is good and bad. Olam Harp. There we go. 
so it pulls the instrument away, and you watch as Kriya, the smoke that is pouring out of her her mouth, stops. And she starts to waver as though she's about to collapse. She's no longer in the throes of whatever this is. The smoke is leaving. And you can all see that while the other six instrumentalists are still feeding this sphere, it does seem to be growing slower now. I need the eagle. I need to make a wisdom saving throw. All right. How wise is this eagle? Let's find out. It's going to be a plus two to that throw. Here we go. Unfortunately, it's going to take seven psychic damage as it pulls this instrument away. Is it still up? Oh, hit points. I'm sorry. That's right. 26. So definitely still up. It's still fine. It's still fine. So it manages to pull the instrument away. And it's still holding the instrument. And Kriya is looking like she's starting to come back to her senses. Anything else? Oh, let me see. Um, How much motion does that second eagle have left? How many do you usually get there? Like It was all 40 to get there. Because the eagle didn't have to worry about difficult terrain. All right. The eagle has 80 feet flight speed, right? Oh, I thought it had 40. So it still has 40. Yes. All right. So what the eagle is going to do is it's going to fly to the right away from those two ogres and away from the whole kind of like, not exactly towards Kraven. Well, I guess in a 45 degree angle, like in the direction of Travancore, but not getting close to Travancore with the remaining 40 feet. So let's say- Away from a bunch of people. Yeah, All right. yeah. It's good to know that you taking the instruments away stops the smoke. Wait, so that's wait. Useful so intel. hold on. Taking the instruments away stops the smoke, and we have seven more to go. You don't want to leave the eagle there to continue to take instruments away. I'm a little bit worried. I can always get other creatures in there. Like it doesn't have to be an eagle. Okay. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.